0: Coming up on The Common Good, we're going to talk about Governor Pritzker's announcement of schools closing. And we're going to talk about what effect is that having on teenagers. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Listen to, uh, welcome to The Common Good. My name <laughs> is Brian Fromm, joined by Ian Simpkins. I'm off to a bad start. That This does not uh, bode well for the rest of the show. No, no, no. <laughs> it's real. It's authentic. People like that. <laughs> Oh, we are glad that you're joining us on this December afternoon, little winter wonderland outside our window. Oh man, Brian, that was funny. I don't mean to sound so
1: surprised.
0: Oh, I tell you what, at least I went to bed last night knowing it was supposed to snow. And I know we keep starting with the weather. I'll stop that when it's actually not snowing outside.
1: Yeah, once we get 4 or 5 in a row of mid 70s, you'll hear me talk much less about it. But as long as I'm waking up to winter wonderland. Oh my. Goodness. We're going this is going to be a grinds my gears opening segment. <laughs> For, forget the
0: coronavirus. What's up with the snow? <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to go full Seinfeld on it. <laughs> yeah, so uh yep, it is snow, but at least in the weather forecast coming up, uh we're supposed to be hitting the 50s and 60s. So a little bit more normal. So I think there's people probably who enjoy the snow right now. I am not one of them. So we're have your fun today, people. Hopefully this is it for the year. Um, So a little bit of update. Let me give our particulars first. Find us on Facebook at the common good radio show. Find us on Twitter at common. Good talk online, 1160 hope.com. Find our podcast, wherever it is, you get your podcast. And if you have Alexa, (laughs) Just say to Alexa, play for me, the Common Good Radio Show podcast, and our voices will appear. I can tell you that with certainty. So, uh, yeah. Alexa, Does it work for Google Dot as well or no? I'm hands off on that one, man. (laughs) What do you guys have in your house? What do you have in your house? None none
1: of that, no. I'm still full horse and buggy i got to throw some logs on the fire in a second here
0: and uh, make sure the cows and chickens are okay. Glad you got the milk and the eggs in before we started. That's right, right. They were very cold, yeah. And so the way we've been starting the show, ever since we kind of went into our homes, Ian's in his basement, I'm up in up in my bedroom, uh, ever since we started doing the show from our houses and the whole global pandemic, the coronavirus has kind of taken over the news, we try to start the first uh, segment of our first hour just kind of catch it up where are we at with it today? Um, and uh, th- it's always this strange mix of like really heavy news. Like we're at 34, over 34,000 reported deaths right now nationwide. Uh, it, there was more deaths yesterday in many areas than had been to this point. Uh, but at the same time, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I don't know if you read the white house's guidelines yesterday on reopening to yeah. me, uh, I read them, and it gave me a feeling of um, of a little bit of certainty, like, okay, now I see some guideposts, and it's going to be up to the governors in the end, but I actually see some guideposts that I can hang my hat on going, uh, now there's a little bit less guesswork here. I don't know how you felt. If you even looked at them, and if you did, if it made you feel at least a little bit like uh, something concrete to put your hands on.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to talk about it, actually, because there has been so much uncertainty I think guidepost is a good word for it. I don't know that it necessarily will accomplish like the collective lowering of everyone's anxiety, but it is helpful. I mean, think about it even in terms of like leadership theory, right? We, you know, we lead churches and we've led teams and things like that. A lack of clarity is almost always like the single greatest cause of stress in a team. So I think at a national level, that makes sense that we would say, Hey, there's still a lot of politicizing. There's still a lot of disagreement. There's, we're, you know, we're seeing protests, you know, crop up here and there and we have pastors that are ignoring the calls, but the, the yeah, the, the clarity of some level of black and white. Well, I think, I think was helpful.
0: Yep. And, uh, and so at NBC news, they wrote an article about uh, the governors were saying that we need to double or triple uh, our testing capabilities, which still confuses me why that's going so slowly, but I'm sure somebody smarter than us could explain that. But Uh, that we need to, that that testing remains to be the key to all of this uh, and that we've got to double or triple. Uh, The big news out of Illinois today and uh, in my house and in many people's houses with kids uh, is that not surprisingly, uh, but there is this kind of finality to it. The governor shut down schools for the remainder of the school year. Right. Uh, And again, It was assumed that this was going to happen, but as it started popping up on Facebook and Twitter and people were texting, my wife came upstairs. She's like, hey, they shut the schools down. Um, And then we went down and told our kids. I think there was something final about that. That again was another like, kind of like, wow, this is is a big deal that's going to last for a while.
1: Having one of your kids on to kind of talk about how they're dealing with it. Say that one more time. Didn't we talk about having one of your kids on to talk about how they're coping with all of this?
0: We did. My daughter has said she'll do it. So we're, we're going to need to line that up, my high school daughter. I think that uh, would be really
1: interesting because I'd be curious to know. Obviously, there's a different you know weightiness to being a, a parent or adult or how it's affecting you. But it would be really fascinating. Like I've not read a single blog or article by a teenager. That's a That's a pretty interesting thing to think about because it's obviously affecting them in a very – very different, but very real way. I'd be curious to know
0: how they're grappling with all this. I, she is in the house right now. Maybe, maybe on a break here. I'll go see if I can't uh, guilt her up here. <laughs> <laughs> I do Give her time to prepare. We'll, we'll do next week. It is interesting though, because like I said, there seems to be all these moments in this pandemic where like, you knew it was probably coming, but when it comes, it's kind of a wake up call. Like I remember in the beginning when it was like, Oh, no church services under 250 people. And then we went from that. And then like 48 hours later, it was all churches are shut down. And I remember that heaviness going, oh, my goodness. And then when our kids got pulled out of school for the first time or uh, when all of us and, you know, then it kind of culminated at you can't leave your house or you need to wear masks. And you even start looking what it was like just a month ago where we're all like, is this a big deal? Like what's going to happen and how quickly this has escalated and You know, it was only two weeks ago that we were talking like, yeah, I don't think we'll be back in our churches by Easter. (laughs) Now now you're like, are we going to be back at our churches by Labor Day, you know? And and so the way that this keeps moving um, ah, is really really interesting. And sometimes it's just hard to, uh, it's one of the reasons we start each show by trying to give the newest news that we know, because it's hard to keep a handle even on it changing, not just day by day, but hour by hour.
1: Well, and and we're not a news show, and we've been pretty intentional about saying that. So I'm I'm curious. Again, obviously, people I imagine are staying pretty on top of these things, and they have the news sources they're going to. I'm curious in the couple of minutes that we have left, at least in this segment, uh, how do you navigate the ever changing realities? Because, like you said, and again, we could speculate like how much information yep. did the government know that they were actually just sort of like leading us on, or are are there really realities and curveballs that we couldn't have seen coming? Either way. Most human beings don't do great when their reality is like constantly shifting in like the 90 seconds we have left. How, how would you advise or coach or encourage someone to think about finding sure footing when everything else sort of seems up for grabs?
0: Yeah, for me, uh, so only speaking for myself, what has become helpful for me Uh, is to trust a couple certain places for my news. Uh, But also, I've begun, and I don't mean this in kind of a dark way, I've begun kind of assuming, like kind of the worst case scenario, like assuming school is going to be closed, assuming that, uh, you know, my my kids' sports seasons aren't going to happen. Like I'd rather be surprised and pleasantly surprised than let down at the moment. I've tried to, you can't do that perfectly, but I've tried to help my kids with that too, like to be realistic, but also... Let's just assume that things are going to keep getting canceled. And when they're not, uh, we'll be excited about that. Because you can't keep living in this cycle of letdown. Like, oh, we're going to have Easter. Nope, we're not going to. We're going to have school. Nope, we're not going to. Oh, we're going to have baseball. Nope, we're not going to. Uh, That's when it becomes really wearing, is is when that cycle just keeps ramping up and then letting you down. So, uh, you know start uh i start having low expectations and then be pleasantly surprised later
1: <laughs> so what i hear you saying is everyone
0: should adopt their inner eeyore and just yes embrace it. as it yes. comes for this and as it comes for like the next three months i think that's a good idea <laughs> just lower the bar and if
1: it's in any way better you'll be pleasantly surprised <laughs> you'll be pleasantly surprised <laughs>
0: That was my dating pitch to my wife, by the way.
1: (laughs) Why don't you go ahead and lower the expectations right now?
0: And you're going to be really happy then. (laughs) Hey, coming up next, we're going to go back to the Gospel Coalition, a site that we go to often with this article, Where's God When COVID-19 Kills My Business? That, That hard question is one we're going to tackle next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simkins. my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this Friday, uh, although Fridays seem to mean a little bit less now when every day feels the same.
1: Gosh, that's uh, true, isn't
0: it? It really is. I, you don't even remember what day it is. I, I think I mentioned this the other day. Somebody sent a, a meme around, you know, that Spider-Man meme where they point two people that two things that are like the same point at each other, you know, right. and instead it was seven Spider-Men and one said Monday, one said Tuesday, <laughs> one said the, <laughs> it was just them pointing at each other.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's really funny.
0: It was good. So find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Twitter, uh, you can find us on 1160hope.com and get our podcast wherever uh, it is you get your podcast. Well, before we jump into this article, I do want to remind you that during the coronavirus pandemic, we know that there are many businesses that have had to close their doors or reduce their hours. But we also know that there are still many businesses that are open and serving the public as best they can. Now, if you own or run a business that's open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So right now, go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. That's all one word, 1160hope.com slash open for business. Fill out the brief form and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. It's totally free, no catch. Go to 1160hope.com slash open for business, hopefully that is a help to our listeners out there in this trying time. Yeah, I love that we're doing that. Me too. Well, at the Gospel Coalition, Dave Harvey uh, wrote an article entitled "This Where's God When COVID-19 Kills." my business. What did you see going on in this article?
1: Yeah, let me just read a little bit of the the beginning for some context. Steve grew up in a single parent family with the mom working two jobs to ensure her kids had food and clothing. He lived aware of all they lived without. It sometimes made them ashamed. Steve vowed that when he was an adult, he'd always have what he needed. When Steve proposed to Rebecca, he told her he would dedicate his life to ensuring their family never knew want. The first 10 years of their marriage were satisfying and prosperous. Steve's business grew, and Rebecca worked part-time whenever she desired. God was faithful. Material needs never knocked on their manicured suburban home. Mm. Now, no one saw the coronavirus coming. In a few short weeks, COVID-19 has flipped our society. We now live in a world where disease lurks around the corner, and for some, death isn't far behind. We practice self-quarantines and social isolation, resulting in major financial hardships for those who own and operate small businesses. The impact goes far beyond bank account's By threatening the very existence of certain businesses. And that's just the financial picture. The personal one is equally tender. When roles, relationships, income, and daily rhythms are rearranged, it chews away at a person's self-worth. Imagine what happens when someone like Steve begins to experience this sweeping sense of loss. Over the last two weeks, the revenue from Steve's business has been in the toilet. The, the, what is that
0: word? Deleterious? I'm so glad that you also didn't, didn't know what it deleter- was. Deleterious. I'm going with deleterious. looks like it's from delete.
1: <laughs> yeah, the deleterious effecture of the virus now threatens his company's existence. Steve and Rebecca once had money left over at the end of every month. Now Rebecca sees lots of month left over at the end of their money. In one month, Steve's profits have tanked and he has to let the, his employees go. Now he's up late at night reading about financial assistance that may be available for LLCs and sole proprietors. Should he apply for small business loan? Should he wait to see if even more federal assistance is coming? What's the path a person walks when COVID-19 threatens to kill their business? Where does the soul go when Steve's greatest fear, having his family experience, financial need, has come upon him? And I imagine, too, there's a lot of people that, even as I'm reading that, are thinking, like, yes, that's my story. That's exactly the space we're in right now. And even as a pastor, I I think probably a lot of pastors are getting this question. Like, where... Where is God in the midst of this? And I appreciate this perspective because it is easy to to get hung up on maybe the most obvious implications, which is like illness and death. But there's all sorts of these close second and third realities that are going to become greater and greater issues as this thing progresses. And uh, I I think that there's a a real tenderness to this article that's asking some really tough questions about where God is in the midst of all this.
0: That's really true. And I I love that they started it with a story like this because – you know, we can talk theologically about where is God in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, but, but sometimes it can come across as just theoretical, not just, but it can come across more theoretical, more kind of academic. Uh, and this, I, you know, if you're this guy, you're laying in bed at night going, God, what, where are you? Like, what's going on here? You could kind of do something here. Uh, this isn't academic for most people in his situation. It's very uh, in your face, very in the moment right now. Right.
1: Which I, I'm curious if is there any sort of like I don't know, it's not totally survivor's guilt, but like there's certainly some some tension between like we even having Matt Sorens on when he was talking about, you know, they were they were getting their uh twenty four hundred or whatever and <laughs> his wife being like, Yeah, we could redo the bathroom, but we know a lot of people that could use that money more than we could. Like I right. there's there's a real there's a real space there, and I, I like what he, what he puts here. He says, indulge me as I flesh out Steve's thoughts. As I do, we'll discover how God uses suffering, even a global pandemic, to invite us into a journey of questions, mm. vulnerability, and ultimate purpose. So he's got a list here. I know Brian Fromm loves lists. Love lists. The first one is expect doubt. As his bank accounts dwindle, Steve begins to ask all the why questions. Why did God allow this to happen? After all, Steve and Rebecca have given generously to their church in Christian causes, that they've served faithfully. This sort of severe suffering feels unjust, and when he's honest, it makes Steve angry. He's been more irritable with Rebecca and his kids, more distant from God. Steve just can't seem to reconcile why God would allow this to happen. Why is a question only God can answer, but nonetheless, we waste enormous emotional energy dissecting it. Every Christian in the pandemic stands before the carousel of why and must decide whether they will step aboard for that circular ride, the one that steals our time and ultimately delivers us back to the same place. To the question of why, there is one answer, faith, Mm -hmm. confidence rooted in God's word that he is good and is actively working in our suffering, even when answers elude us. Doubt stirred during pandemics must be met by faith, the kind that believes that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Hebrews 11. So I'm reading this post are, are there now. The revenue is drying up and it seems like the handwriting is on the wall. To make matters worse, God isn't explaining himself and you're still on the carousel seeking answers to the why questions. Right. God understands your doubts. He invites us to draw close to him and experience him as one who is real, one who is good, and one who rewards those who
0: seek him. Hmm. And we've talked, we just talked yesterday, I think, about the. so many of us feel guilty for having doubts. Right. Uh, and we compile that. Number two in this list is welcome the weakness. Hmm. When the, when the virus began to ravage Italy, Steve wondered what the impact would be here in the States. He was afraid of what this could mean for his business. He kept it bottled up. I'm probably overreacting. And, and it goes on to talk about uh, just our reminder in this of our own weakness and our own inability to take care of these kinds of things.
1: Hmm. So I should, uh, close with three. Yeah. The second one, Number three, yeah. remember God's promises. Second Corinthians one, three to four. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God promises to meet us in the midst of great suffering and affliction. He met Steve and Rebecca, and in doing so, he positioned and empowered them to comfort others. With the business failing, Rebecca has taken on some online freelancing to help. Uh, make ends meet while Steve and the kids do extra chores around the house. Everyone's pitching in because Steve feels less impervious and more vulnerable. He has a new freedom in communicating his fears and weaknesses. Steve is more transparently honest. And it goes on to talk a little bit more about some of the possible benefits, even the silver lining of like having the bottom drop out a little bit. Is that part of what he's saying here in this article, it's still doing a work in us to to not waste this season, to not waste this suffering, but to, actually, maybe instead of why asking God, where are you in this? What is it that you're wanting to, to do in my life and my marriage and my family? And I think, I mean, again, easier said than done, but those yes. are really, really,
0: I think those are important questions. It's ask. a really powerful article. We'd encourage you to read it at our Facebook page, the Come and Good radio show. Well, coming up next, as we talked about, uh, schools here in Illinois have been officially closed for the year and uh, we're going to tackle Uh, through a couple different articles, just what's the effect this is having on our kids and our teenagers. Uh, We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Happy Friday. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this snowy Friday afternoon. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Online, 1160hope.com. Get our podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm just going to keep introducing it as snowy until it's gone. Hopefully, that this will be the last day we'll have to do this this year.
1: See, but your voice is so cheery, it makes me a little less angry that it's our reality. Like, oh, it's snowy. And then I have to
0: like remind myself, like, no, I'm furious about this. All right, next next segment, I'm going to try to match how I feel about the snow with how I introduce it. <laughs> Ooh, that is a fun teaser. I can't wait for that. Because you want to hear angry.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfectly accentuated by the fact that you just giggled right after you said that.
0: Do you know what's nice, though? One nice thing about snow during, like, a stay-at-home order, I never had the thought of, like, I need to go shovel. I'm like, yeah, it'll melt in a couple days. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so, away <laughs> it goes. Uh Hey, tell us about Thrivent. Get us uh, our friends at Thrivent. Uh, why don't you share good news about them?
1: Yeah, so I've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks about Thrivent.com slash careers if you're looking for a career change or you're interested in learning more. Another thing they're doing though, this is a big reason why I just love this organization. They have a whole bunch of webinars, free webinars. Uh, and one is called Quarantine Queries featuring Lisa, Lisa Graff. And the other is um, Suddenly Working Remote. Five things you can do to stay productive and manage stress. Uh, featuring Lindsay Bacardo. So all of those links are on our Facebook page. Um, but the thing that I, I really appreciate is Thrivent is right here with us. Like they've they've prepared these special quarantine series of webinars to help us kind of navigate these things because that's where we all actually live right now. So uh, again, I think you already mentioned the Facebook page, but head to the common good radio show. Uh, there's like five of these coming up just in the next couple of weeks. So quarantine queries, and Five Things You Can Do to Stay Productive and Manage Stress, if you're looking for some resources or an opportunity to kind of brainstorm with other people, I think these are really, really great environments for uh, exactly exactly that. Yep.
0: So I wanted to tackle uh, an article, particularly as we mentioned earlier today, Governor Pritzker announced that Illinois schools will be canceled for the rest of the school year, which wasn't a surprise, but there's a finality to it. Right. Uh, And at CNN, they had an interesting article just posted yesterday that I'd encourage you to read. It's really long. And so we're just going to be able to kind of do a flyover of this. Uh, It's got a lot of subheadings to it, but it says this, why teens may never be the same after the pandemic. Why teens may never be the same after the pandemic. And so it's trying to zero in on how are teenagers going to be affected? So let me just read the beginning. And then it almost turns into kind of a list form as we'll go through it. It says, there will be no graduation for the class of 2020, at least not one that would have forced seniors to wake up early and file into an auditorium with their peers dressed in gowns and caps. They've been told that they can't throw. Prom is likely canceled too. So the budget that would have covered the photo booths, catered canopies, DJ and dance floor have gone to waste. Ditto to all the prom dresses, unworn and untainted by spilled punch. Classes have been conducted virtually for weeks and teachers feel pressured to inflate their course loads. Uh, in the time of the coronavirus, traditional hallmarks of the high school experience have all but disappeared. And as everyone settles into new routines inside at home, teens are feeling angry, anxious and reticent. Their identities are fracturing in isolation. And the people who love them, teach them and study them fear their aware the effects of the pandemic for years to come. Honestly, I feel as though I've been robbed. Shanice Dawkins, an 18 year old from Broward County, Florida, told CNN. I've been looking forward to my senior year since I was a freshman and now I have nothing to remember for it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the way that starts and then it's going to get into some specifics, but man, could you imagine having lost the whole second half of your senior year of whether it be high school or college? It'd be so sad.
1: I mean, being homeschooled, I feel like I kind of get it, uh, but I do, yeah. I do yeah. sort of, I remember though, feeling like it, you know, when I was 17, I think when I was graduating, like, really being out of the loop because all of my other friends had all these senior type things they were doing. And, you know, my, my parents were awesome about, and we still had a senior party and we were able to still accomplish, you know, a lot of that. But I remember really feeling, not gypped, but certainly like, Oh man, I feel like I'm missing out now. I wonder if there's any difference uh, in this moment when everyone's missing out on it. There's no yeah. like FOMO because it's not like, well, that guy got to have one or they're still throwing a party um but like one of the things that in youth ministry we used to say a lot is that puppy love is still real to a puppy like Uh, often the tendency for adults is like you know when a 16 year old breaks up with their boyfriend and they're like heartbroken you know to our adult brain we're like you weren't gonna stick with them anyway yep yep. but for them right now like that's their whole universe that's the reality i think this is a really similar situation where you know we might be inclined to say like yeah but by the time you're 30 you won't remember those things but but I don't think that's helpful though. And I think right no. now, and the article goes on to talk about some of them are struggling with this loss of identity. Yep. And so it's not just a matter of like feeling like they're missing out on the thing they looked forward to. There's other stuff happening in real time that they're having to like grapple with that's right. in a confined space. Maybe their home situation isn't great. Maybe, you know what I mean? There's a lot of other things kind of at play that I think is a well-written article and something honestly that I haven't thought much about because I'm, I'm not a high schooler and I don't have high schoolers. Right. So I've been grateful for the perspective because it's, it's just not a, a reality for me right now. But I know that like the people at the community that are caring for our students, you know, they've been saying stuff like this as well. And I'm really grateful for youth pastors and student ministries across the world right now that are, you know,
0: navigating, you know, these uncharted waters. Absolutely. So this goes on to talk, give specifics as to how this could affect our students long-term let me just read some of the headings and you can read more about these in the articles it says one that adolescents have a heightened reactivity to stress and so uh, it goes on to say adolescents typically have a heightened reactivity to stress thought to be the result of hormonal fluctuations and changes in brain development now throw a pandemic into the mix right so the stress that they're going to feel in this is heightened the second thing they say here is the people they rely on aren't there in person. And I totally see this in my kids, especially my high schooler. Like there, it, it's a lot of fun to have a zoom call with your friends and there's lots of giggling and stuff. It's still not the same. Right. Right. Right? Uh, and it says here, research shows when they were younger, their parents were buffers for their stress. Now people, teens rely on to buffer them, their buffer, their stress are each other. And they aren't mm. there, not in person, at least, mm. uh, Number three, the lockdown is limiting their identity. You touched on this before. Adolescence is a time when young people start to piece together who they are, or at least who they'll be right now. Many of the pieces that once defined them are now lost to the virus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm just trying to give you a picture, especially if you have teenagers out there, what could be going on. The next one was they feel robbed of memories. Uh, And you heard that in the quote before about feeling robbed of memories they were supposed to make in these formative high school years. Some lamented not being able to go to prom uh, and graduation, which culminates the end of an era. There's a lack of closure. Uh, Next one says, being cooped up has led to increased anxiety. Being at home for some has resulted in anxiety. I felt discombobulated to say the least, this one teenager uh, said. Uh, The next one, they worry over an uncertain future. Uh, Anxiety as to what the future holds. Uh distractions, they say, don't come easy. Uh all the high schoolers express different ways of mourning the lost period of time. Distractions they listed include music, working out, and learning a new language. Um and the last one was traumatic events have a very specific ev- effect on teens. Uh so I, I just wanted to bring these up because I thought uh that that as adults, we talk a lot about how they're going to affect us as adults but uh, what it's going to do to our teenagers. And and I think we have to be very cognizant that this could last a while. I found that I think coming up one of these days, like you said, I'm going to get my daughter on here. We'll have a little chat with a 16 year old. Would that be fun? Have a 16 year old on. Yeah. I, I think that could be really interesting. Hey, coming up next hour, we are going to have Ed Stetzer in on a zoom call. I almost said in studio, not the case on a zoom call with us. And Ed is going to, uh, talk. Uh, there's not a better person to talk about what's going on in the church and kind of help us process that. That's going to come up here in the second hour here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us uh, on this Friday afternoon. Hope that you're having a good day. Hope you're getting kind of into a rhythm with work and relationships uh, in our kind of new normal of of being all at home. Uh, You can find all the articles we discuss, including the CNN article about teenagers we just discussed. You can find those at the Common Good Radio Show on Facebook. That's the Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk Podcast. We are all over the podcast universe. You can get it wherever you want. Find our podcast, subscribe, uh, rate, and review. Also online at 1160hope.com. You can find old shows, old interviews we've done this week, We've had lots of great people on, uh, we've joked, right? A lot of people just sitting at home, uh, having time to talk. So we've tried. I I don't think they're just sitting at home. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're not going anywhere (laughs) while they're working and we're all on zoom anyway. So (laughs) even as we work, well, uh, there was an article out of the Christian post. There's a pastor uh, that I find to be, Uh, somebody that I love to read and love to listen to. His name is Pastor Tim Keller. Uh, For years at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, Um, we had Scott Sauls on last week. Scott Sauls worked under Tim Keller for many years. Uh, So uh, Tim Keller, uh, right there in the heart of what's going on in New York City uh, at the Christian Post had this. It says, Pastor Tim Keller on God's message to the world amid COVID-19 and the duty of the church this is just part one he's going to have another one let me read some of this and then I would love for you uh, to uh, react to what Pastor Keller had to say okay uh, through disasters like the coronavirus pandemic God is reminding humanity of their need for him and challenging the church to love and support those of different races and religions according to according to noted theologian and best-selling author Tim Keller. Uh, We've never had a global pandemic like this, and it's because we're globalized that this sort of thing can happen and can happen again. The 69-year-old retired pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York told the Christian Post, God's message to the world during times like this always is you're not really in charge. You may think you're uh, you're gonna get ready for the next one, but you never will. The world isn't under your control. It's under my control. Uh, You need to turn to me You are not sufficient to run your own life. You need my wisdom and you need my help. He goes on to say, in every disaster, whether it's 9-11 or COVID-19, God is saying to people, eventually I'm going to put an end to all this. But for the time being, this world is broken. And every time you think you don't need me and that you can get on top of it, something like this will come along to remind you that, no, uh, you do need me. He continued. Let me pause there. Uh, what, what do you think about Pastor Keller, Tim Keller's message there, uh, as he reflects upon COVID-19? Uh,
1: I mean, that sounds like Keller to me. That sounds like a Presbyterian posture, I think, toward all this. I think Keller, one of the things that i appreciated about him is he feels like a really good blend between pastor, practitioner, and theologian. There's a, cause a lot of times, you know, if you're, if you're, too deeply in the camp of scholar and we need scholars. We need theologians. Um, but there's plenty that would tell you themselves, like, I don't, I have no interest in pastoring people. And then the other side, you have a lot of people who have like big pastoral shepherding hearts, uh, but maybe not necessarily the theological training that Keller does. And he, you know, again, we've referenced his book, uh, walking with God through pain and suffering. That's a great example. I think of creating some theological categories, giving some theological handles to kind of navigate, you know, tumultuous waters, but also, coming at it with a, I don't know, just a sensitivity and awareness of like very real pain and suffering and fear and uncertainty. And I think I think he does a, a good job of, of threading that needle, to be honest.
0: He goes on later to say the real test for Christians, he posited, will come several months down the road when presented with opportunities to witness that we can't even envision just yet. He says, for example, what if your community escapes pretty much and in three to four months you're okay? Yet some communities, you know, are hurt economically and there are tons of unemployed people, he asked. Maybe you could lock arms with a church in a more hurt area. I think in the future there will be ways to help, but that won't be obvious for a while. Short term, Keller went on to say that the best way to love your neighbor and your family is to not take risks. He says it's odd because by you trying to avoid getting it, you're also loving your neighbor. Right. You can't take a risk and say, I'm gonna go out and do things because I don't care if I get it or not. The trouble is you're risking the health of those who might not be able to get over it so quickly. Keller pointed out that when disaster strikes, quote, people tend to come together and work alongside those they otherwise wouldn't agree with. So there's a lot there, but one of his points there being that there's gonna be a real opportunity, possibly down the road, uh, to work across denominational lines but also he's suggesting even work along, uh, you know, Christians with non-Christians, maybe like Christian, Muslim, whatever else, that there's going to be ways for people to link together uh, to help rebuild and help support the communities that may have been most hard hit here.
1: Well, and, and again, this is, we're talking in silver lining language. So this isn't in any way diminishing um, how legitimately horrific the pandemic is and the loss of life and the fear that people are feeling. But I I do think he's right, though, and we've seen this throughout history, that it it tends to be in times of global or at least national fear, uncertainty, or tragedy that we do kind of band together. And he, like many others, have referenced 9-11. Part of what I'm always trying to be mindful of is, I even saw a post about a year ago that was talking about, man, I miss the unity that we had as a nation post 9-11. And then I saw a bunch of other people commenting and saying, yeah, but don't you remember how much Muslim hate also came as a result of that? And I have to admit, I was like, gosh, I I think I actually did forget how intense that was. There was a banding together. They're right about that. But there was also, and I remember this in Dearborn, Michigan, too, an almost like resurgence of racism towards black and brown people. Um, And that was kind of happening simultaneously. So there's a little bit of me that wonders this banding together comes at what cost, you Mm -hmm. know, and and maybe trying to keep all of those things in perspective. I think there is a great ecumenical opportunity to say, hey. I mean, even in the conversations that I've shared with you that I've had with other Muslim leaders in the area who have said things like, hey, both of our holy books talk about loving our neighbors. Can we can we start there? Is there an opportunity for us to love our neighbors together to share resources? Hmm. And for some people, that's like a yeah, no, duh. For other people, that's, that's scandalizing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in a pandemic, the, the sharpness of the scandal for some people kind of gets dulled a little bit because everything's sort of an all hands on deck kind of posture. And I hope that we see more and more of that of people saying, why don't we put aside some of our differences for a moment and just like try to love our communities as best we can right now. And I I think that we're seeing some of that already.
0: Yeah, he closes this way. He says at the local level, uh, that's probably going to happen. He talks about Christians serving as a beacon of hope amid darkness. He said, everyone's going to say, okay, how do we deal with the devastation in our communities? And that's where I think he says, if Christians are willing to get out Uh, get out there and be good Samaritans and say, how do we work with people of different races and religions and just try to love them? And how can we join hands? We will have less polarization and a real opportunity to witness. I think he's painting a picture there of opportunity that you just did as well. And I, it remains to be seen if we're up to the challenge, right? It remains to be seen if, if we, as the church, are up to that challenge that he lays out right there. But I I really hope that that's the picture of the church that we see at least for the most part.
1: Yeah. And I, and I am hopeful just to reiterate, I am really hopeful because of the kinds of conversations people are already having now, the kinds of ecumenical across the aisle kinds of conversations I see happening, but I also don't want to be naive because we, we have seen, you know, and Daniel Yang who's been on the show has been talking pretty aggressively and rightfully so about some of the, subtle and outright racism being shown towards Asian Americans, you know, like I I want to be mindful even of, okay, if that's starting to gain some momentum, how do we, how do we come together and also squelch what isn't God honoring, which doesn't bring glory to the name of Jesus. Like we need to do both of them at the same time. And I think that that's going to be an interesting dance for the next couple of weeks and months
0: yeah so uh you can find that article it's about what uh, tim keller wrote you can find that at our facebook page the common good radio show i mentioned earlier that in the second hour uh begin at 5 20 we're excited to have ed stetzer joining us on the show that's going to be in the next hour of the common good am 1160 hope for your life coming up this hour we're going to talk about some uh quote from the governor of new york and then ed stetzer is going to join us you're listening to the common good Welcome back to the Common Good AM 1160 Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simkins. I'm Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us on this Friday. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Uh, You can find us online at 1160hope.com or get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Go share the podcast with a friend of yours. Tell them, hey, I found this good show I like to listen to. Maybe not even a good show. I found a show and uh, you can listen to it too. So, Uh, We are really thankful uh, that you uh, listen to us and we hopefully are adding some perspective and also some enjoyment in these strange times we live. But speaking of these strange times, during the coronavirus pandemic, we do know that there are many businesses out there that have had to close their doors or reduce their hours. We also know uh, that there are still many businesses out there that you're trying to stay open and you're serving the public as best you can. If you're one of those people who own or run a business that's still open and operating, we want to help you get the word out. So, right now, go to 1160 slash open for business. All one word 1160 slash open for business. Fill out the brief form, and we'll be compiling all of that information and sharing it with our listeners. Here's the best part about it it's totally free, no catch. It's a service that we want to be doing for you, our listeners. So go to 1160hope.com slash open for business. Hopefully that's help for people out there who are just trying to make it. Man, we read that story earlier about how hard it is for small business owners yeah. and uh, my heart really breaks for them. So if that's you out there and we could be of any help, uh, please go ahead and do that. We would love to be able to help you in any way that we can.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, there was an interesting quote that it requires some context, but let me kind of paint the picture and then I would love for your reaction. Um, So Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, who has been one of the most out front um, governors in all the country, partially because he holds, you know, every day he's holding a a, a news briefing and it's kind of being spread out there, mostly because New York is the hardest hit area. And uh, so Andrew Cuomo has been out there And so let me read this article. It says, in a press conference on Monday, so this is earlier in the week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo asserted that God had nothing to do with the dropping numbers of coronavirus cases in New York. Uh, According to the Daily uh, Wire, Cuomo asserted that the number is down because we brought that number down. He added, God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that, the governor continued. That's how it works. It's math. And if you don't continue to do that, you're going to see the number go back up. And that will be a tragedy if that number goes back up. And it goes on, this story uh, goes on to give some background uh, of, of Cuomo uh, and some of the back and forth he's had with the more conservative Christian wing of things. But I, I do just want to go to his quote there. Uh, As a pastor and uh, just kind of an observer, uh, what do you make? Why do you think he even made that quote? What do you make of his quote?
1: Oh, I don't think it's worth speculating why I think he made that quote, but I think it is worth talking about. I think this is honestly not a new theological debate. The question has often been asked throughout the centuries in what way is God involved in the activity of humans? Uh, Are we masters of our own destiny? Or has everything been predetermined, and we're just sort of along for the ride? Is it something in between? Um, I think those are really, really important questions, and you might hear words like sovereignty or providence or predestination. Um, it is interesting to me that he would go on record saying something like that, knowing he's a self-professed Roman Catholic. Yeah, but there is also, I imagine, as a leader, maybe he's wanting to really give proper credit to the people, the men and women that have been on the front lines, actually making this happen. I personally don't think the two need to be pit against each other. Like mm-hmm. I, I think this has been a mystery of God's involvement in the world since the beginning. And I think it is a bull and. I think there is obviously math involved and there's skill and there's hustle and grind and there's intellect and precision, obviously all of that. I also though, just believe deep in my gut at some level. And this is part of the mystery of faith that God is participating in those things with us. And maybe even more aptly we're participating in what God is doing to bring about healing and redemption in the world. So I think, you know, I'll, I'll sometimes kind of describe it like as pedals on a bicycle, you know, mm-hmm. like if it's, if it's a question of salvation, you know, we see a lot in scripture that God pursues, God initiates, but we also see a lot in scripture about, human's response you know and i think like pedals on a bicycle god convicts or he reveals or he stirs and then humans respond or reject or something in between so i think in the case of something like this i could see why maybe he's wanting to give proper credit to the men and women that have been you know actually walking this out but i don't know that it requires a pitting against yeah, this definitely wasn't God. God had no involvement in this. This is just a bunch of smart people executing, uh, with precision to me as a person of faith. And I would probably, you know, make sure to use words like mystery because there's a lot yeah. about this relationship that is just not clear to me, but I, I don't necessarily know or think that rhetoric like this is helpful.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, that's really well put, man. I, I do, think about those verses in the Bible, right? Where it says the prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective. And then the next obvious question is how is it powerful and effective? And I think you right. frame it really well as going, that's a, that's a mystery, but we're called to pray. <laughs> like we're right. called to get in there and, and get on our knees. And uh, I, it's always one of the hardest pastoral questions when people are like, how exactly does prayer work? And how exactly does God, You're like, I don't know. I just know I'm invited to pray. Right. And that, as God's people, as the church, if we're not praying through this pandemic, then I think we're, we're opening a window into, okay, you don't really believe in it at all. I do think one thing that Cuomo is doing here and I, you know, you didn't want to crawl into his head, but I'm going to crawl into his head if you don't mind. Yeah. Best I of luck. Do, I, <laughs> I do think one thing going on here is he's trying to keep the pedal to the metal of you must keep following the rules uh, or this sure. isn't going to work. Yeah, And I think, uh, I think his fear, this is where I get into his head, is people are going to start going, you know, God's going to do what God's going to do or God's right. in control. So I don't need to keep doing it. And I think, you know, he's probably reacting to some of the things he's hearing and other things where he's seeing, you know, churches still wanting to meet or people ready to, uh, Led up on the gas here a little bit. And he's very much been going, no, we've got to keep going. Um, and so I, I, would, I would think that that's part of what's going on here, but, but I, I do think it's unfortunate kind of, like you said, the pitting of human uh, uh, what we're doing as humans, what we're doing and what God may be up to and, and saying, those are always at odds with each other. When, like you said, I that's a good one. The two pedals, of the bicycle. I like that one. Have you gotten this question at all since all of this started or anything like it as a pastor? Has anyone been like, Hey, what does prayer even matter in this? What's God up to? Are you getting that at all? Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. I I think this is almost a a textbook season to be asking questions like these. And it has been throughout history. And I think there's a lot of different answers and there's a lot, there's a lot of mystery there too. There seems to be certain cases in scripture where like clearly God intervenes because of our prayers and there are plenty of other times where faithful men and women men and women that were told were after the heart of god and they prayed fervently for something to happen that didn't happen and this is why i think i find it so controversial and i've often said you know in a lot of ways i think prayer is less about you know changing god's mind and more about changing our hearts you know when we pray for things it changes us too and i think that's often maybe in the west been uh understated a little bit about prayer isn't isn't just about like some four-year-old trying to get dad's attention to do something that he's lost track of. There's something that actually changes in our heart. You know, like when we talk about praying for our enemies, it's really hard to hate someone and pray for them. You know what I mean? Like there's a transformation that happens in us when we pray. And especially in the time of pandemic or fear, it doesn't you know, necessarily solve everything, but we've also talked about, you know, I, I believe that God still works miraculously. And I believe that there are still, yeah moments where for whatever reason uh god saw it right and fitting to intervene in a profoundly supernatural way but that's not always and i uh i it's a tough thing to pastor through because it feels a little slippery but i think that's a good deal why and we talked about this actually earlier in the show why things like faith are so important for us to actually frame out what that looks like because often we want certainty you know and And uh, faith does require at some point, like a little bit of trusting, even when we can't actually see with our own eyes, what is going on.
0: Yeah, that's well put. You can read this article on our Facebook page, the common good radio show. We'd love to know how you're processing this and your thoughts on it as well. Well, we're real excited Uh, beginning next segment. We're going to be joined by Ed Stetzer, author, speaker, researcher, pastor, all sorts of other things. Ed's going to speak to us and give us some encouragement for the church and all of us who may be struggling during this time. Excited to be joined by Ed Stetzer next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We are uh, glad to have you join us. As Ian and I have been talking about over the last couple of weeks, uh, during this time of global pandemic and all this craziness and anxiety, we've been wanting to bring in other voices uh, ministry leaders, pastors to come and talk. And with that in mind, we are thrilled to be joined right now uh, by Ed Stetzer. Ed, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh,
2: I'm so glad to be here. Appreciate the good work you guys are doing. Uh, thank thank you, you so much, much. man. Uh, Before we dive into like the nitty-gritty of everything, how, how are you guys doing right now? It's it's a strange thing. You know, personally, we're, you know, I've got three daughters. They're yeah. um, 15, 18, and 21, and we're all Locked up, and I would just say three things, so many words, but that's a, <laughs> yes. another story. Uh, but the, uh, can you relate? But the Billy Graham Center is doing well. We're, um, we're really been pivoting a lot of our resources to serve churches, and I've received a very wide response to help with that. Wheaton College is, uh, you know, we're, we've moved to mediated technology right. instruction, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard for all of us, and there's not a person listening who probably isn't carrying some loss or pain, yep. and so in the midst of this, we look to the Lord and hopefully look to our neighbor, too, so we can show and share the love of Jesus, but tricky times for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: With your daughters, I'm wondering. I've got uh, kids... High school, elementary school, and today came out that school's canceled now for the rest of the year. Kind I of know. expected it, but what was that like? What's that like for you, but also for your
2: daughters? <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny because I, I said to, you know, my wife's Donna's her name. She's an introvert. Yeah. And I said to her when President Trump extended the two week to all of April, I said, So is that like awesome for you? I mean, you get to just, you know, like you'll be home as an introvert. And her words were, so are you going to be home as well? Cause I'm, an, <laughs> Cause I'm an extrovert. So I was like, yeah. So I would say that we kind of expected it. So we were braced yep. for it. Um, and our school district is working really hard. So thankful for all the teachers, you know, I mean, even at Wheaton College, we don't really have like our undergraduate program doesn't do online. Uh, we yeah, at the mm-hmm. grad school do. And these, you know, these high school teachers, they don't do online normally. It's a whole new, like everybody's taking it for the team and right. leading mm-hmm. in. And so the kids, they're thankful for their teachers. You know, one of them making TikTok videos. <laughs> the kids are telling me I got to get on TikTok. I'm not getting on TikTok. But anyway, um, so I, I, it was a bit of a stun, but but probably one that was expected. Yeah.
1: So you did a, a Facebook live a couple of weeks ago that Brian and I actually referenced on the show and played a good deal of audio just because I thought it was so timely and so necessary. And it was amazing how many people were reaching out to us and were like Ed Stetzer is like the prophet of our day. And there was, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, what was the response uh, following that Facebook live? And have you seen churches take necessary postures and approaches like you were like urging them to do?
2: Yeah, so so basically I had, uh, my concern was, is that a lot of people, a lot of churches, it's, you know, I was just talking about how teachers, they, they don't teach via online. Well, all these churches, uh, hundreds of thousands of them in a week had to start broadcasting their services. If And, right. you know, and even Church of 30, is doing a Facebook Live, or maybe they don't have good internet, so they're recording a DVD. Anyway, so this all hit. And I could totally, you know, I, I ministered to pastors. I, I love pastors. We train pastors in a graduate program at Wheaton and more. Um, but I had to say it. I wanted to just caution them that this is not the crisis. The crisis is not a crisis of streaming. It's not really even a crisis of church survival. It's a crisis of, in our communities, you know, yeah. we, we're seeing, you know, we're not even necessarily, we're not sure where peaks are or where they're not, but, you know, we're still growing in our cases and our deaths in Illinois. Right. Um, and, you know, if you're in, in and I don't, I don't know, I'm not picking one place that I know has more or less. But if you're in Nebraska, I saw something saying Nebraska didn't have a lot. This mm-hmm. may not feel like a crisis yet, but as this disease spreads, it is. And it impacts our healthcare care workers and then it impacts our communities. And, you know, we know in our community in where, where we brought where you 1160 has kind of heard. I mean, we've lost pastors. We've mm-hmm. many of us have lost friends Um, And so I think I wanted to say to churches, you got to pivot. So we created what we call a four phases of the crisis. And I said, you're in phase one, pause and pivot, but you got to get out of phase one because your community needs you. And what we're doing right now is actually we're launching at the Billy Graham Center, something on resilient church leaders, because, you know, you guys are already seeing this because you're ministering to people through your program. But now what we're having is kind of the second degree helper professions, like the nurses and the doctors are right there. But now you've got, you know, pastors and counselors, and there's a flood of issues that are now headed this direction as well. So we think it matters that we would, as a church, pivot from our needs and be focused on the needs of others. And uh, 170,000 people watched that Facebook Live. I've never had anything like it. Wow. Uh, and it was funny. If you, I, sh- I don't know how to direct people to it because my staff said I look like Doc from Back to the Future when I was <laughs> holding up the monitor. Because I didn't know, at that time, I didn't know you could stream Zoom through Facebook Live. So I'm literally holding up this monitor saying, saying, look at this curve, look at this curve. And people are saying, I look like Doc. My hair was, I was in my basement. I'm like, leave me alone. You know, but I'm trying to do the best I could. I remember that day that we watched that,
0: I felt both it it scared me and challenged me all at the same time. I'm wondering now in the weeks since, as you interact with so many churches, do you feel like churches by and large are doing a good job or or are we still not really getting it just
2: yet? No, I think think we've gone in some some seriously uh, more effective ways. And, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I still think there are challenges. I think one of the challenges is, uh, you know, here in the Chicagoland area, the disproportionate impact in our African-American community. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed uh, Charlie Dates for uh, Pastor of Progressive Baptist. We mm-hmm. have a podcast we launched at com, And, you know, I mean, disproportionately impacting African-Americans uh, already where there's food insecurity. And so I think the question we've got to ask those of us who are like, I'm, I'm in the Wheaton area how do I partner? You know, they have a thing called Chicago delivers.org where they're actually helping people who can't get access to food. So I I think we still have some ways to learn to partner with one another. But I think, but I think actually, yes, people are taking it more seriously. I think Mm -hmm. also too, right around that time, it was still a bit of a political issue. And then that sort of shifted and you had, you know, there's still, we're a divided country right now. But you hear, you know, Republicans and Democrats, governors, president and county all saying, this is a very big deal. This will probably be the greatest crisis of our lifetime. And I think churches have stepped up, stood in the gap. You know, uh, Pastor Choco, Wilfredo de Jesus, who used to pastor here, now is the Assembly of God headquarters. I had him do one of the podcasts. He talked about the church standing in the gap. I think increasingly Christians and churches are doing that. I'm thankful.
1: Yeah, that's super encouraging. You also wrote this brilliant two-part article for Christianity Today about prayer. And I think the subheading was something like, we're social distancing from each other, but this is an opportunity
2: to to draw closer to God. Can you yeah. speak to that a little more? Well, I don't know you guys well, but I know that I'm a more of a doer than a contemplative, yeah. you know, my, that's Donna is my, I mean, I tell people she's the godly one in the marriage. Um, but you know, I like when I'm in a crisis, I'm like, let's go, let's go mm. deliver food. Let's go organize people. Uh, and Donna says, let's go first to the Lord, and mm. I have found, I don't know about you, but this, it's crazy how much more I'm working. I mean, I don't have a building to go to. I don't have meetings, and I'm busier than I've ever been, and my my spiritual life uh, can suffer, and I gotta tell you, for me, I mean, just being just full disclosure all around Chicagoland, you know, I just got to the place a Tuesday ago. I just wept, and I was just like, I don't know, mm. and I needed to refresh and to recharge, and I think that that's what, a lot of people need, that's why we're launching this resilient church leadership thing. Part of it's going to be, I mean, this, I, I think a lot of us thought this was going to be a, a sprint. which right. turned out to be a marathon. Uh, Andy Crouch said it, it's not a, you know, a lot of us remember what a snowstorm is. We get stuck in a snowstorm, you're, yeah. you're there for a few days and it's not a blizzard. It's maybe not even a winter. It might be a year without a summer if mm. you continue that metaphor. And we need pastors, church leaders to be resilient and for all the listeners to be resilient. Your kids need you. We need one another. Um, you know, Bill Withers died in during this crisis, not from Mm COVID-19, but he wrote the song lean on me. Great Mm -hmm. time for us to remember. We need to lean on one another.
0: Yeah, uh, before going to break, just curious what it's like at the college. We've talked a lot about churches, but is that continuity still at the college? I'm a Wheaton grad, so curious how things are going at the college.
2: Yeah, first of all, I'm a little surprised Ian's not a Wheaton grad, but I bet he couldn't get in. So, He's <laughs> been told that often. <laughs> that's
0: more
1: true
2: than you realize. <laughs> I didn't know you were a Wheaty, Brian. Good for you. Um, yes, the I, you know it's surreal. I live just a few blocks from the school, so I. I go, we walk, you know, we wear our masks. we follow all the rules. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't send emails to be in your <laughs> primary. And, um, but it's, it's empty and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Something's yes. wrong. I know faculty are working hard from their homes. My daughter's also a student at Wheaton College. And oh, so, okay. so she's now experiencing that technology-mediated instruction uh, you can pray for the school. You know, it's been a, a bastion of gospel uh, work and passion for over a century. Uh, it's a challenging time. This is a crisis that has, can have a huge impact on and, and other great Christian schools in our community as well. Um, we need a Christian to be praying for us and engaging in, Hopefully, you know, when, when fall comes, we're, yeah. we're hopeful. We're planning towards a renewal of students because Good. that's what we hear. I mean, Dr. Fauci has talked about we by fall. We should be back in school. That's yeah. important for the students in our community. Absolutely. Well, oh, Jackson Eagles. Good Jackson Eagles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're thrilled to be joined by Ed Stetzer. Ed is so kind to stick around with us for another segment. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, thrilled to be joined for another segment by Ed Stetzer. And uh, Ed, thank you so much for staying with us. And we really appreciate your time today.
2: I feel like I'm with a group of very intelligent and er- erudite individuals. So happy Where? To be here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they were on during the commercial break. Yes. So. <laughs> Touche, sir. Exactly. Gotta have fun. Listen, if we can't have a little fun right now, it's going to yes. be right. even worse. Right. So as we continue to talk about the
0: church in the midst of all that's going on, it it might be too soon to have this, but I know that you're thinking in these terms, how do you think the church is going to be different? when we go back to whatever normal is, yeah. what do you think is going to look different?
2: Well, so here's the thing. It's probably going to be more similar than different. And, I, and I, I think that's not all good. But, you know, we've had, for us right now, the three of us, you know, we're in the same general age-ish bracket. We're within 10, 20 years of each other. We've never lived through right. a global pandemic. That's we've right. never had a real epidemic. But, you know, for 2,000 years, I mean, you, we, we, people are pointing back to the Spanish flu, which is rightfully so. It's, you know, it's the last time in maybe our great-grandparents' lifetime. But you mm. go before that, and you can just see pandemic, epidemic, yellow mm. fever, malaria. And people were accustomed to that. Now, here's why that's important for your question. You know, a thousand years ago, or whatever it may be, when the Black Death comes through, wipes out 60% of Europe, um, there were cathedrals beforehand, and then there were cathedrals during, and then there were cathedrals after. People mm. tend to return to the mm. form that they're accustomed to. So like I was, I've been preaching um, at Moody Church. I'm just finishing up an interim. Very excited. They have a new pastor coming, mm-hmm. but I'm there for the next couple of months and I'll stand in that room on the weekend and there's 3,750 empty seats. And it's like, it's cataclysmic. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's surreal. But then I think back a hundred years ago, Paul Rader during the Spanish flu epidemic preached in a building, not that one because that one wasn't built yet. But preached in a building and they made it through the Spanish flu. And then they kind of reverted to, you know, and people have known for a century, I mean, excuse me, for a millennia that disease spreads when you're close to people. So here's what I hope, though, doesn't right now, a lot of churches are mobilized and they're on mission. They've heard the words of Jesus and As the Father has sent me, so send I you. You know, for 15, 20 years, we've been having this conversation about what's called being missional, being on mission. Right. And there have been about 20 years of books and angsty blogs and podcasts. And in about three weeks, God did what 20 years of books and podcasts and blog posts didn't do. Yeah. And the church has left the building. So my Mm -hmm. hope is, and we have a Send Institute Missiologist Council, part of our Billy Graham Center. We're going to try to speak into the church now so that when the vaccine is found and the pandemic, or we create herd immunity, when the, vaccine, when, when the pandemic's over, that we really continue to hold on to this especially evident loving our neighbor, caring for the marginalized, showing and sharing the love of Jesus, which is now I think a beautiful thing to see. I do think churches are, I mean, we could, you've, you've been having these guests on and you know, People are standing up, standing out. They're standing in the gap. And I want that to continue yeah. mm. post-pandemic. And I think ultimately we need to, you, people like you and me who have some voice or a microphone need to say, hey, don't go back to consumer-driven, customer service-focused mm. church. Let's be yes. a church on mission of co-laborers for the gospel.
1: I love that. We, we actually did a segment earlier in the week where uh, it was Jeff Holskloff previously from Northern, and he was referencing Kerry Newhoff and then Michael Frost's response, and he somehow tagged David Fitch in the midst of all of it, and it was sort of this debate, Kerry kind of saying this is going to be really great for the church. Frost is saying this is going to set the church back 25 years. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about what you were just doing there? Because I think that you have such a timely voice and perspective. Speak to pastors and church leaders, or, or even just Christ followers, how do we keep from yeah. going back to some yeah. of these consumer tendencies that you're talking about?
2: Yeah, and I should say all the people you mentioned are friends, and so I, I love what <laughs> yeah. they're doing. I'm for them yeah. all, and I'm not critiquing any specific individual. Um, I would say we don't want to overstate, right? We, The most likely a path to the future looks like the path in the past. You know, Mm. history doesn't repeat itself, but it tends to rhyme. It tends to be similar or familiar. So Mm. people will probably gather again in large groups. Now, assuming when we're past pandemic, because, you know, if communities are looking at churches with suspicion, if they gather together, but when movies theaters are meeting and when concert venues are open, so will churches be. And so, but here's the thing we have to avoid. There is a gravitational pull an attraction to religion as customer service. I've got the music I like. i got the preacher I like to hear. Maybe the preacher is this or that, whatever I prefer. So I hmm. make the choices on my customer preferences. Well, what we've learned is right now is that we've looked back to plagues in history is that Christians were known as the people who showed and shared the love of Jesus in really tumultuous times. And I think that's happening now, and I'm glad. But I, I wrote an article for USA Today uh, a couple of weeks ago and I talked about taking down the mask. You know, who are really these evangelicals? Who are really these Christians? And I quoted Eusebius, who's a famous historian, and he wrote about the 4th century Christians, and he said all the things that they did. By now, everyone's heard the plague example Mm -hmm. and Christians served. But here's the quote that I love so much. It says that the Christians, this is Eusebius writing, uh, the Christians, quote, deeds were on everyone's lips, and they Mm -hmm. glorified the God of the Christians, unquote. Mm -hmm. You can't have that when you drive past your neighbor past the needy, past your community, to go into a customer-driven church that meets your preferences. You can have that when you say, I'm going to join Jesus on mission. I'm going to show and share the love of Jesus. So the pattern that we're seeing, I think a lot of people are rejoicing in being co-laborers, not customers. So let's just keep reminding them what that was like. And I think we can continue. This could be a key turning point in the life of the church. I pray it is. Yeah, I think that's great.
0: So for individuals out there who are thinking, man, I want to be on mission right now, but I'm locked in my house. I'm told not to go anywhere or interact with anybody. Maybe give some people a couple just uh, tangible tips of how they can be on mission during a global pandemic right now. Yeah.
2: So let me say, we've actually asked and volunteers are generally fine to do what volunteers are doing, following social distancing. Mm-hmm. So I've, for example, I've taken a pattern of delivering food to some of our homeless community. Um, and in doing so, I can maintain six foot distance. Now the reality is, can I tell you, you can't really do that if you're living under a bridge with a bunch of other people. So this yeah. is burning through some of our most marginalized communities. Hmm. But for me, I can follow that. I can wear a mask to protect others. So what I would say is do those things. And if anyone says, what are you doing? Just say, you know, I'm delivering food. And, and I can tell you, everybody's going to say, great, fine, because this is a crisis that has multiple facets to it. And one of them is food. One of them is healthcare. And so, so here's what I'd say. Like for my neighbors i 've um, visited all my neighbors, and I knew my neighbors because i 've already, already tried to gauge them, but I would go and I took one of those uh, one of those little let 's see I got it here in my drawer I took my uh, my wet ones antibacterial hand wipes, fresh scent, no less <laughs> and, I, um, <laughs> and I rang the doorbell with one of those little sheets of uh, you know paper that are the the wipes I stepped back six or seven feet, you know my neighbors. They don't have internet. They, they're older and so wow. vulnerable. And, and they said, you know, we don't really do the, electri- the electronics. And I didn't take the time to say we haven't really called them electronics in a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we've got to keep in touch for them. we got to check on them. Right. So, so those things you can do right now, check on your neighbors. Use this thing called a telephone. We used to text each other, <laughs> call somebody have some patterns in your church or in your circle. You know, we used to have these prayer chains too. Often they were gossip chains, but we can call (laughs) one another and check up on one. another. I think we can do all those things, including going out and serving the hurting in ways that are still safe and practicing appropriate guidelines. That's so good. All right. So we have like a minute and
1: a half left. I'm, I'm wondering, do you see any ecumenical component of all of this? Do you see any John 17, like the church linking arms across denominational lines? Like, A year from now, will we talk about this in any kind of ecumenical
2: language? Yeah, that's one of the questions we asked, and we published some things on how groups are working together on Christianity Today. I think at first, everybody sort of just ministered to their community. I think now people are asking, okay, this church is stronger in ministering to the homeless. We're stronger with widows. We're stronger with ministering to maybe the incarcerated. And so they have now begun to create. So what what Rick Warren said on the podcast, he said— that we want to, we're looking at at partners who we have. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've got partners in my county with our school system. I've got partner churches that are already engaged. And then when I don't have partners, I can start programs to meet those needs. But I should look first for partners. And I would say a lot of churches who share a similar view of the gospel and the, and, and the good news in Jesus Christ responding by grace and through faith, you know, those kind of ch- churches that are teaching yeah. the Bible and sharing that kind of gospel, I think they are finding ways. But let me also say this that when it comes to fighting a disease, we're all co-belligerents. We can, we can mm-hmm. fight against this disease with people of other faiths and no faiths. Yes, you know When we start sharing the gospel, that's something that's particular to our understanding of the gospel. But right now, we need all hands on deck to serve the yes. poor, care for mm-hmm. the hurting, and ultimately watch out for our neighbors. As Christians, we're going to do that. And we're going to do that with people who share a similar view of the gospel and show and share the love of Jesus, because right now the world needs it. Absolutely. I love that. Ed,
0: we are so grateful. You've been listening to Ed Stetzer. He's the Billy Graham Chair of Church Mission and Evangelism at Wheaton College. Hold some other titles over there. And uh, Ed, if we, if we read all for. your stuff, it could some a Some other titles
2: but... over there. I like <laughs> yeah. don't, don't do that. Don't read all that. You know, as you know, we have a lot of titles that we can college. We pass around out like candy.
0: I know. As a pastor and a radio guy, we're grateful for you. We Thank reference God. your stuff all the time and grateful yeah. for what you do for the church and uh, for the evangelical church as a whole. So we are grateful. And we'd love to have you on again sometime. Well, from so a thanks,
2: listener, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks,
0: thanks for doing it. Thanks, brother. Uh, You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life.
2: Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff
0: we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good. And that music can only mean one thing: interweb insanity, where we end the show uh, reading stories that we have not seen uh, from the mind of our executive producer today, Keith Conrad. And here's what's dangerous, Ian. Today is Keith's birthday. And so I feel like. I feel like for his birthday, he's going to feel greater freedom to kind of go to the fringes and just go crazy with Interweb Insanity. A little worried about that, are you?
1: No, I mean, it's also his 21st birthday, so he's probably (laughs) feeling a little unhinged, and uh, yeah,
0: we'll, we'll tread lightly on this one. There you go. Why don't you go first? We're going international on the first one again. Well, before I do, can I tell you a little bit about Thriving, Brian? Oh, yes, please.
1: Thrive financial. I've been a Thrivent member for like seven or eight years. If you're looking for a career change, by the way, Thrivent.com/careers. I can't encourage you enough to head over there. But they're also hosting a bunch of uh, webinars. Like, they're I love I love the heart of this organization because they realize that a lot of us are in this very weird space. So they've prepared uh, a special quarantine series of webinars with Lisa Graf exploring topics like: Will you choose self care or self medication? Uh, when is self-care the last thing you need? What does it look like to take every thought captive? How will you fight for joy in this season? And so you can find links to all of those uh, on our Common Good page, the Common Good radio show. Plus there's additional webinars with uh, Lindsay Bacardo on five things you can do to stay productive and manage stress. So I imagine somewhere in what I just said resonates with somebody. And so there's like five different webinars coming up in the next couple of weeks. So go to the Facebook page, All the links are there, and uh, I can't encourage you enough to go check that out. Okay, now on to the Insanity. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Out of England. Gust of wind facilitates flamingo's zoo escape. (laughs) Officials at a British zoo said a flamingo escaped from its enclosure thanks to a well-timed gust of wind, but was soon returned to its flock. The Dudley Zoo confirmed the flamingo was carried out of its enclosure by a gust of wind Tuesday afternoon. The flamingo was caught on video by surprised bystanders who spotted the bird wandering near the zoo. A zoo spokes, uh, spokeswoman said the flingo headed back to the zoo grounds on its own, recording after only a few minutes and was recaptured on the facility's lawn.
2: Born free, as free as the wind blows,
1: as free as the grass grows
0: dudley zoo that feels really close to the deadly zoo i wonder if anyone's ever gotten that wrong
1: oh see i was just
0: gonna say it sounds so british to me <laughs> like next a dudley do right situation the next one's out of georgia diploma carried away by georgia tornado found 30 miles away Boy. a lot of wind in these two hunts so far <laughs> Very thematic th- A Georgia man whose diploma was among the objects carried away by a tornado was reunited with the document after it was found 30 miles from his home. Kelvin Duke, also a very Georgian name right there, (laughs) uh, said his middle school diploma was packed away in a box inside one of the three barns in the backyard of his Upson County home when the tornado swept through the area Monday. I could feel the air coming up from the floor, he said. I was waiting for the home to be picked up from its foundation. The house was left standing, albeit severely damaged, when the tornado left the area, but all three of the barns were destroyed. Duke said he was surprised to later receive a text from a friend saying his diploma had been found 30 miles away from his house. The document had come to rest near I-75 in Monroe County.
2: It's a twister! It's a twister!
1: Okay, what are the odds this one also involves wind? Uh, 50%. (laughs) North Carolina woman wears Buzz Lightyear helmet to grocery (laughs) store. That's good. (laughs) This photo is amazing. Kelly Hogan, painter's husband, said she couldn't go to the store in Stallings, North Carolina on April 4th because they had no masks at home. So she donned a Buzz Lightyear toy helmet and proceeded anyway. So when your husband bets you, well, first he tells you that you can't go to the store without a mask. And then you tell him that it was recommended and not necessary. And then he tells you that you can't go get food for your kids because we have no masks in the house. So you supply the mask, says Painter, pushing the button to lower the helmet's face mask. I'm going in. Once inside the store, Painter said she wanted to try to capture the reactions of other shoppers, but was wary of anyone getting too close. At least one person asked if they could take a photo. Share the smiles, Painter said after posing.
0: To infinity and beyond. All right, I'm really scared of this next one because not only is it from Florida, but it starts by saying most Florida thing ever. Yikes, that's not a good sign. Ring video shows stranger capturing alligator in front of home. A Pascal County homeowner had a good laugh after receiving a notification from his home surveillance camera showing someone was in the middle of capturing a gator at his front door. Brandon Taylor shared video from his ring camera showing a trio of stained strangers approaching his front door on April 9th. What he couldn't see was the baby alligator just out of view. There's an alligator at your door. Sorry, one of the men said. Don't freak out. We're not trying to do anything. Eventually, one of them got his hands on the alligator and carried it a- carried it elsewhere. This may be the most Florida thing ever to happen to us, according to Taylor's Facebook post. Got this ring notification. According to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, people should leave alligators alone, uh, especially during mating season. <laughs> Mama, now the gator got you in the house. Now the gator? Give me that shovel.
2: Come here. Oh. Get him! Oh. Get that gator. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Ah.
1: All right, last but not least, Minnesota. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. City council member attends a meeting from his hot tub. There you go. This is <laughs> foreshadowing? No, your comment was foreshadowing. This is pre-shadowing? I don't know what the word is. Yeah, anyway, many of us are getting a bit more casual at work meetings. You know what I just realized? You weren't talking about the hot tub on air, were you?
0: No, I was telling Ian off air that I really would like to get an inflatable hot tub.
1: <laughs> People are like, what kind of foreshadowing is he talking? Did I miss part of the show? Yep, I just realized we
0: weren't But if I do get live. it, know that I will do the show from it.
1: <laughs> oh, man. That is a promise that's now out of the ether that I'm so glad it is. Uh, many of us are getting a bit more casual at work meetings because we're attending them via video conference from home. There, Then there's North Oak City Council Member Martin Long recently attended a city council meeting from his hot tub in the well-heeled northern St. Paul suburb as can be seen in an online video recording on the city's website the city posted it on the website about, about an hour <laughs> into the April 9 teleconference council meeting the camera on long starts to move and it's apparent that he's gone outside he sits down somewhere outside of his house and then after a few minutes he disappears briefly and then reappears uh, on his and his polo shirt is gone for a few minutes the small window showing long reveals his bare shoulders this is starting to feel weird how much I'm describing it. Uh, I'm trying, he finally says. My fingers are wet. I'm in the hot tub. He holds up a pair of goggles and a toy boat. <laughs> I've been on a council meeting when I'm in the hot tub. It's kind of cool, he says. Hold on one sec, he says, and he pulls his shirt off again and then proceeds to give a brief report as some of the other <laughs> council members smile.
2: And so, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. Mm. Mr. Hutz, do you know you're not wearing any pants? Why? Ah! Uh, well, a fun way to end the
0: show. Uh, have some glad. laughs. Yeah, lots of laughs. Glad that you joined us all week. Thanks to Ed Stetzer for joining us today. Really appreciated his time. We hope you have a great weekend. Come back and join us on Monday from four to six for Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good. AM 1160, eleven sixty. Hope you're